Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a podcast from the Smart Material Collective, made by nerds, funded by the listeners. You know what? Yes. When I get this PhD, yes. the way I'm going to come onto this podcast, the first recording we have after this PhD, I'm going to spend a solid five minutes just flexing so hard. Oh my God. You like, I'm just going to sit here. Like all of you are going to be stunned looking mm-hmm. at me. Uh, the way you will see, the way you will see the, the levels of, you think I'm cocky now? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. You think I'm arrogant now? Oh my God. Can I reside for the podcast now? <laughs> I mean, you can. I will, fu- I will come to your house mm-hmm. and, and I, I will do a live podcast recording. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? The only podcast that uses cutting edge science to answer the questions that you really have. Things like, why is the sky blue? What's up with trees? And why does Sahel have a gym bag? Because I like to nap at the gym. I mean, really? <laughs> and eat donuts. Yeah. It, I mean, no, no. What's great is that we don't have um, our pop filters today for our microphone. Yeah. So Sahel pulled out a couple of socks. From my gym bag. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear this this clarity? This, mm-hmm. the, you, can't, you can't smell it, though. That's the thing. This is important. Yeah. On my left, I have Hannah Ayub. Hannah is a wonderful creative producer. She makes really intricate art that you should buy. And she's allergic to Sahel's protein high energy bites. Because basically the health food industry thinks that protein equals nuts. And that's it. I mean, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, On my right, I have Sahel Patel. Sahel is an amazing journalist. He makes brilliant content. And he's the owner of multiple socks, stuff inside a gym bag. (laughs) Uh, these bounce high protein energy bites. I've got a lot of things. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of things. Uh, and you might have heard from laughter that sounds a bit bassier. Uh, we have a guest with us today. We have Kwesi Kwakwa. Thank you. You got that right. I did. Of course I did. Now that we have um, another Ghanaian on, mm-hmm. um, this is, we're going to hijack this. 
this yeah yeah yeah. i'm taking this podcast back okay all of it back taking it back all right we had this long drawn out idea me and kwesi that we'd speak entirely in tree entirely should we just leave i mean you can <laughs> that's what this is now yeah uh, we're just you know it's the ghanian takeover it had to happen so. yeah, yeah i approve i mean yeah we don't have ghana airways anymore so we have oh. this that, you know, I, I'm still slightly annoyed about that. The, air, the airline where you had to wait three and a half hours to get onto your plane. <laughs> if you got lucky. It's <laughs> good, quiet yeah. reflection time. I think time. Ryan Air manages it in less time. No, no. Have you ever turned up for a flight at 11 o'clock? The flight was meant to be at one. You go at five o'clock and then you have to pay an airplane tax. Huh? huh? No, that's yeah. kind of messed up. Really, is that what actually happened? Yeah. No, no, no. Ghana Airways was you could show up with a confirmed seat, like not just a seat. You had booked it. You had you confirmed it. You had a seat, and you would be you'd get to the airport and like, no, I'm sorry, you we don't have your seat anymore. Like, what? Your seat is gone, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I saw a woman. I saw a woman in Ghana almost fight someone because she got the ticket. You know, you don't know what's the worst airways in the world. What? Jet Airways from where with a 65% on time performance is that, is that not good is that <laughs> 65% <laughs> yeah that's quite good Jet Airways is the worst no that's quite I mean that's really good <laughs> like on time yeah well see I think the problem here is that both of us probably fly to Ghana a lot mm. and that skews your perception of what a because like even British Airways when they fly to Ghana are elite yeah, mm-hmm. see, they actually care about you guys whereas they toss us in the oldest plane they have and I was like yeah we'll wait for a minute and we can kick you off it's fine <laughs> one other fact worst airport in the world mm-hmm. Kuwait International Airport second worst London Stansted <laughs> <laughs> So, Hannah, what interesting things have you seen in the news this week? Um, so quite a few different articles are claiming that a major study has found that kids who have their tonsils out are way more likely um, to suffer from chest infections, pneumonia, allergies, asthma, basically everything that causes me, like, you know, problems in life. So I'm like, shit, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, like, what went wrong because I had my tonsils out when I was two. Why did you have them out, by the way? Well, this is where it gets tricky, right? Mm. So I had my tonsils out because I kept turning blue from asthma attacks. That's horrible. And like kept yeah. getting like chest infections. Um, and it turned out, this is, sorry, this is like really gross, but like there were abscesses on my tonsils from the like constant infections. Wait, well, ab- abscesses are... So like pus, basically. Mm. Uh, you had a pussy tongue. Well, behind the tongue. Yeah. That's where your tonsils are. Uh, uh, so... I started thinking, I was like, wait a second, like how you, like how can they actually claim that, you know, a group that had their tonsils out, probably for, you know, medical reasons, mm. are more likely to suffer from things that are probably those reasons than people who didn't. I looked into more articles and just like kept finding this like complete sort of like loss of, you know, differentiating between a correlation and an actual like causal link like even the paper itself the scientists are claiming to have like matched people with the same health who had their tonsils out and who didn't but like 
these are all Danish kits. So, you know, surely the group that had their tonsils out are by definition, you know, by definition, they will ha- have had different health as kids from the group that didn't have their tonsils out. Yeah. And it's just like this, this like, you know, article has been like written about on, you know, loads of science websites, like loads of major news sites. And it's just like absolutely meaningless. Okay, so mm. what is... I'm what, not ranting at all. No, no okay, what... I mean, first thing, first mm-hmm. thing, I'm yeah. really impressed that when you what had all these asthma attacks, you went blue. Yeah. So like, com- like okay, for a Given while- that like no one apart from my mum can tell when I blush. Yeah, exactly. Like considering uh, like for a white person to go blue, a brown person mm-hmm. to go blue, like <laughs> that's some serious shit. That's an extra blue. There is a joke that I spent like most of the first two years of my life different colours because I started out jaundiced and then just kept going blue from asthma attacks. All right then. <laughs> you know, we ju- <laughs> you started out jaundiced. Mm? You started out jaundiced and then went blue. What was your health situation like? This is Singapore. I assumed you guys. Oh, no, I, was, I was born in England. Mm. Um, okay. So, like, yeah, up north. But um, Oh, the north. Yeah, the north, you know. Like, as in, a lot, a lot of babies are jaundiced. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then babies sort of seem to be more likely to go blue when they have asthma attacks than mm. adults. But okay. do you know that we're joking about? But that's like some serious shit, really. Isn't it? <laughs> that is like genuinely like so. I generally have to joke about my health, otherwise I, you know, end up crying in a ball in the corner. Okay, there, Indian uh, Smurf. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't call you Indian Smurf. That's problematic, right? <laughs> we need the horn. We need the horn. <laughs> so okay. So what is the difference between correlation and causation? So. One of my favourite exam- like explanations for this is if you're in a town or a city um, where there are multiple buildings um, that have sort of clocks that go off, like, you know, chiming clocks or church bells, that sort of thing, you might find that some are slightly delayed compared to others. So, you know, you might find that the church, you know, bells go off and then 30 seconds later the you know i don't know clock at the town hall starts chiming oh shit oh shit wait that order of time episode we did with the book review oh yeah we know about this shit we know local time like the paradoxes of the universe and shit right i vaguely remember Uh, i i I wasn't even gonna go there (laughs) okay someone please listen to that all of you listen to that episode and you'll understand that sahel and i are making a callback but is it like the the church bells didn't cause the clock to go off they both were programmed to go off or you know mm. at a certain time mm. you know but th- they both happened you know they were correlated in time yeah okay but they weren't caused by each other oh okay i get it i think that's a big misunderstanding i think we gen like most people is and it's human condition because we mm. only see things in a certain way mm-hmm. and because we perceive the world as cause and effect is that we apply that understanding to mm-hmm. events that happen but sometimes that it, they aren't linked you're right it, it can be just two simultaneous events right Quasi's like yeah yeah i've seen this all in my life yes <laughs> <laughs> see now you're just making out like i am just the old you know <laughs> he's the sage yes i'm the sage just sitting here having lived through everything he's gonna come out with some Ghanaian like sayings and stuff like so is there a way of like understanding the difference between correlation and causation well quite a nice funny place to start have any of you ever been on the spurious correlations website yes wait what is that's a thing <laughs> it's a thing so 
what this guy does is he sort of like plugs in loads of data so like statistics to do with death or like sales of different products um, and he sees what correlations come out of it um, so the, the top one on the page at the moment which has like a 99.779% correlation mm-hmm. is that US spending on science space and technology correlates with suicides by hanging strangulation and suffocation yeah I can completely see that like, yeah. like when people are like, oh, Trump is going to make a space force. Nah, nah, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather die. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> this is brilliant, by the way. I'm looking at his website. Okay. Or like, okay, here, here's one where like, you know, it, you, it's going to be really difficult. For, I'm, I, I'm just going to like challenge Alex to come up with like ways that these two things could be caused. But divorce rate in Maine correlates with per capita consumption of margarine. Uh, like, Maine is where Stephen King sets all of his books. Exactly. Stephen King. And so that's where horror is from, right? Shawshank Redemption, everything else, The Shining. Look, so if you go to Maine, right, and like, oh, you're at the shops, like whoever's doing the shopping, they're spending too much money on butter. Like, why would you do that? Mm. Like, think about that. Mm. If you're buying, so imagine coming home, right? You come home and, you know, you've worked a long day, the money's in your current account. And you're like, why is the money not there anymore? What? Bam, you come home and there's a fucking like fort made out of, I can't believe it's not butter. That's like, <laughs> that's like a dream. No, imagine that. <laughs> and, and that butter goes off. You've lost me at some point <laughs> in this story. This, this, yeah. Yeah, that, also that margarine. Margarine. What is, I can't believe it's not butter. Is that not margarine? This is so uh, confusing now. <laughs> I don't know if it um, is. Okay, okay. I think I found my favorite one. Okay, what's your favorite one? Letters in winning word of Scripps National Spelling Bee correlates with number of people killed by venomous spiders. I'm actually looking at this exact same one and it's so funny. Yeah, no, I can't, I, I, I can't find the correlation. There was, there was a peak in 2004, just to let you know. In what, in 2000? <laughs> yeah. Number wow. of people killed by spiders and um, spelling bees. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. If you've never seen the Scripps National Spelling Bee, it is actually fun. I know that says a lot about me, but I already have a doctorate in physics, so I feel like th- that thing was already has already been said. But yes, spelling bee. This is a safe space to be yes. dorky and Yes. No, it's not. It's not at all. <clears throat> yeah. So that's really really cool. So that is what that is. The correlation, what's it called? If you type spurious correlations into Google, you should find it. We'll also put a link in the show notes. Okay, so people, you should head on to the spurious correlations website. And if you find anything really interesting, like send us a tweet or email it to us. I think um, we want to see the weirdest ones that you find. So, Kwesi, the reason you're on here, not just to talk about how bad uh, various airlines are, um, it's because you have a pretty incredible job. So, I'm a physicist. I have a PhD in physics from King's College London, and I now work at UCL, split between a lab in the biology department and a lab in the London Centre for Nanotechnology, which is a lot fancier (laughs) sounding name than it actually does. And what I really do is I build microscopes and I spend my time looking at really, really small things moving around. Let's say, for instance, you are curious about the behavior of a protein inside your cell that is responsible for, let's go with something I'm actually doing that's part of your immune system. Uh, we, this protein self-assembles into little rings. We want to know what these rings look like. And when I say little, I mean on the order of... Uh, about the thousandth of the thickness of your, of, uh, of a hair. Wow. Yes. And we want to understand how these things work. So 
we either use atomic force microscopes, which, and I'm going to use a very dated reference here because I'm old. It's basically the equivalent of playing a record, running a record needle across a really, really small sample to see what's there. Mm. Or we do this with fluorescence, which means we take the thing that we're interested in looking at, we do some fancy chemistry, and we stick on a, a dye that will glow in the dark. We shoot a laser at the dye. The dye shoot, gives us back light, and that light tells us where the thing is. Wow. So isn't that how they look at like what other planets are made of? They look at refractions of light and stuff. Yeah. From, uh, the physics is not that... so. I do microscopy, which is on the small end, mm. astronomy on the big end. It's both basically optics. On microscopy, we're using that to focus light down to look at really small things. On astronomy, we're using it to collect light from the sky, okay. so really large things. Yeah. And then once you have it, the techniques by which you figure out what's actually there are not that similar. So in astronomy, you're using at tiny spots of light that are out in space. Mm. In microscopy, you're looking at tiny spots of light that are inside a cell. Yeah. But, but you're basically like detectives. Like you're using that piece of information to figure out what is within contained within that um, yeah. whatever you're trying to analyze right yes like that, that's because yeah i i'm one of those people who did physics because i didn't want to do biology my science career in biology ended with a b in igcsc biology when i was what would have been like what, 15 16 i was like yes we're done i will never see biology again i will do physics i will do maths i will play with computers i will whatever else i do i will even do chemistry i will just never see biology again mm -hmm. good <laughs> i like that <laughs> your your willingness not to do biology led you into chemistry and physics <laughs> inferior <laughs> inferior subjects uh, i liked chemistry i liked physics biology required me to memorize too many things and i was therefore like i, I have a terrible memory so it didn't work for me physics well, no the biology chef who took me for biology was not that i did not enjoy his classes that made have been part of it but i did i left secondary school thinking i will never see biology again and i didn't i i i went to, i went off to university i got the physics degree i got a master's in physics and then but my master's in physics was in optics and when you have an optics when you when you know when you have an optics degree and when you are looking for phds in optics a surprisingly large number of them involve building microscopes is that not cool Oh no, microscope building in itself, really cool. <laughs> okay. but, in my head, it sounds like the science version of model trains. That's not a bad, like, it is sort of... <laughs> I'm trying to poke fun and you're like, oh yeah, that's a really good analogy. <laughs> hey, hey, look, let's be clear. When people think about physics, they think really smart man sitting in a room doing, you know, working on some maths and then going off to a giant board. No, no I, I'm an experimentalist. No, I go into a room that has a bunch of optics in it and a bunch of electronics and I plug things into things and I set up a laser and I point to a bunch of mirrors. And then I go, I go stand by a computer and I turn on a camera and I see some spots of light glowing. And that's a really, if when I get to that point, that's a really good day. So it's not what people necessarily imagine. So what is the coolest thing that you've done in your work? Uh, I mean, any kind of single molecule imaging is cool by definition because you are looking at things that are, you're looking at individual molecules. So you're looking at things that are, say, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. Like they're so small that you would not see them with your eyes. You would not see them with a regular, with a magnifying glass. You wouldn't see them with a regular microscope. You have to go that far down to be able to see them. And they're emitting lights that is so tiny, it's I don't know, like a thousandth of the amount of light you get out of a candle. Wow. So 
really, really small. We're having to deal with the really, really small and the really, really sensitive. And we can see these things and we can see enough of them so we can actually get numbers out of them. And we can take those numbers and we can then use them to actually figure out what's happening inside of your cells. Okay, guys, this might be a... Like, tell me if this is a silly question. Mm, yes. But do you have to work in a really dark room? Yes. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't a silly question. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a silly question. It, so the nice... The, I say a nice thing. The really, really crap thing about working microscopes is we're looking at we're looking at things that are really, really dim. So you need to be in a place where you have as little light around you as possible. So generally, basements. If you're not in the basement and you happen to be, say, on a second or third floor, it's blackout windows. So in a week where I'm seriously running experiments, I will see the sun in the morning and at night and maybe at lunchtime. <laughs> So what you're saying is you're doing nothing to like change the stereotypes of physicists <laughs> in a dark room, um, and like think about it. Mm -hmm. You being a Ghanaian man, you need a lot of vitamin D. I so I mean, being look, I, I might be the only one on, on this podcast who can tell you, but you're looking kind of pale, man. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would disagree with you, except you're right. Like I am actually a shade darker than this one. I one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> okay, I can't laugh because me too. <laughs> like I am proper pallid right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, okay, so apart from physics, yeah. you fucking love judo. Completely by accident. So, <laughs> what you were walking down the street one day <laughs> and, some shit. <laughs> and someone said judo flip. <laughs> yeah, now I'm into judo. <laughs> okay, not that much by accident, but not as far off as you think. Finished undergrad, moved back to Ghana, worked. So I worked in Ghana for a year and a half for a government research lab slash training. Thing. It's a long story. You can ask me about it afterwards, but. 
I it was uh, basically I was working really long hours and eating lots of Ghanaian food, which we believe in putting pretty much oil and pepper into everything. Ah, the staple yes. of every good food: yeah. <laughs> oil and pepper. I, I would eat that just by itself. Yeah, and I'm not complaining. This is look, I'm going to go home and cook this evening. I am not even going to claim that I am above this stuff. No, but when you are working, you know, six days a week. Uh, you, and you're spending all of that time sitting at a desk and you're not doing any, and you're driving to and from work, you might put an output of weight. <laughs> because this Ghana and our people do not believe in, you know, politeness or subtlety or anything <laughs> of that nature, people will start to point out to you, hey, you're getting fat. <laughs> in Ghana, saying, telling someone they look fat is halfway between an observation and a compliment. In terms of you, know, you get to look. You're looking flat. What it means? You're looking well. You are at the point where you are making enough so you can eat lots of food and gain weight. They're trying to be nice, but at the same time, it does get to a point where you look down. Like my belly is surprisingly large right now, and everyone is going to tell me about this. So I should maybe do something about it. And so that's why I was looking for something to do. There was a judo club reasonably close to work. A cousin of my friend's was going to that judo club. So I was like, okay, I'll go along and take a session. Mm. And I never left. And so I know apart from that, you really love comic books. You love all, like, you never shut up about it. You (laughs) love comics so much. Well, let's be clear. It's not just comics. I I do the full spectrum of nerdry here. Mm. So it is comics, it is science fiction, it is... What else? Not tabletop gaming. I've never actually gotten to tabletop gaming, so I skipped that. But outside of that, I think I have indulged in all of the other forms of nerdy that you're allowed to. Massively into like nerdy movies, right? Yes. Um, The reason like I, I say that is because Hannah has been going on about how scientists are the worst mm-hmm. when it comes to movies. Like, are you one of those people that try to break down like the science of movies and stuff? I would like to say no, but no, let's be, yes, I am one of those people. I, I'm just like to clarify here, mm-hmm. I'm also one of those people. My, <laughs> my issue is when people like completely mash that together with the quality of the movie. Ah, okay, that's a different thing altogether. Okay, so what does that mean? So if they say that... So, for example, so one of the movies I really enjoyed recently was The Meg, mm. right? What's that about? Um, so that's about a giant prehistoric shark sort of coming back from well not the dead but it's sort of how do do i explain this without being like completely spoiling it basically like a a giant prehistoric shark that was thought to be extinct sort of comes back into the world so i I went to see this movie like expecting like a really really silly movie Mm -hmm. um and i actually i was like pleasantly surprised not just because i really enjoyed the plot line um there was actually you know enough believable science in there for me but also because for the first like there were three absolutely like badass like female scientists and engineers in it Mm. which you don't really get in movies so um Mm. but then i sort of like went home and i was um trying to find out what a thermocline is because i didn't know which is Mm. it's sort of like a temperature differential in the ocean Mm. yeah um and i just kept stumbling across article after article which basically like this movie's shit because like the shark is 20 meters longer than it's meant to be crazy was that you no Just so I haven't seen The Meg. I do want to see The Meg I because I like Jason Statham movies. I'm super entertained by them. And also, it's a giant shark eating stuff. What? Like, I am the kind of person who will... So there was a period in my life when I shared a flat with three other guys, all of two of whom did judo. 
And we would legitimately come back from Judo on a Friday night, put on the sci-fi channel, and watch the, like, you know, giant shark-octopus hybrid killing a wolf. I really want to watch that movie. Sharknado 6. I have seen seen more than one Sharknado film all the way through. I have seen Sharktopus. I I have terrible tastes. It's fine, because you are hitting all their sweet spots. Like, Sahel's like, oh my god, someone else has seen Sharknado? I have seen Sharknado. The, the, the man cuts open a shark from the inside with a chainsaw. What is there not to appreciate about this? <laughs> Does that happen? Yes. Your cinema magic. <laughs> I'm, I'm told that in the book version of the Meg. Oh um, I thought you were going to say the book version of Shark Meg. <laughs> like, it's quite a lengthy read. That would have been In the book version of the Meg, um, I think Jason Statham's character like cuts like his way out of the Meg but that doesn't happen in god the film. damn that's that's insane so you saw on the reviews of the Meg mm-hmm. scientists being shitty yes so is that anything new I, I think I'm just like I don't understand why people seem to spend so much of their time like in articles on podcasts like just breaking down the science in movies like I, I just I don't understand. So Alex quickly edits the running order for the next three episodes. <laughs> I'm kind of 50-50 on this one. Like, and first of all, as we have established, mm. it is not as though I have the world's greatest <laughs> taste in films. Like, I have seen every Fast and Furious film. I will continue to see them for as long as they make them. <laughs> I am not the guy you go to. I, I will also go see artsy stuff, but I am not the guy you go to if you're looking for someone to, you know, tell... to just only recommend you serious you know scientific mm-hmm. movies at the same time if the science is truly if the science is well first of all if the science is bad i reserve the right to go okay the science is bad here i'm still going to enjoy this but just so we're clear the science is bad yeah here. but then if it's a movie that claims to be about the science then oh, we yeah. wonder it's a completely different so like a bunch of friends and I have this running argument about Interstellar, where it, which is a great movie, but which at certain point, which it's very, it's very close to the science all of the time, and at certain mm-hmm. points just decides, nope, we're just going to ignore the science for the next half hour, and then we'll come back to it. And that really annoys me, mm-hmm. because you told me you were going to be all about the science. You told me that you'd hired this amazing astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. You, you simulated a black hole so well that you got a paper out of it. And then at a certain point, you just went, mm, nah, we're good. But I feel like yeah. with Interstellar, yeah, there's think. there's mm. almost like I found that almost like artistically problematic because it yeah. felt like the tone of the movie suddenly switched. Yes, and I guess that's what I had more of an issue with was the experience of watching the film mm. than the science being wrong. What about like that film, for example? I 100% get you, and that film like the day after tomorrow. Remember that film? Where oh, the whole yeah, yeah. world ends and stuff. I, like I I enjoyed that film, but at the same time afterwards, I was like, is that even pop? Would that even happen? Like, you know I mean, and that for me, that does take something, a little something away from the film mm. sometimes. So, so the very interesting about that is I saw that with my mum, <clears throat> and on the way out, um, because you know, okay, the film came out like over ten years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Okay, so at the end of it, where you know, there's been all this climate change and it's been freezing over. Like all the people from like the northern parts of the world have to go into the southern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, places like Mexico, South America, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, you know, Australia. And um, my mom was like, "Yes, you see, 
Ah, now when this happens, they will be coming to us. You see, <laughs> hmm. I, will, I will wait. You see, these <laughs> are Bruni. They will come. <laughs> I'm there, like mom. It's a fictional. I will see. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm completely with your mother on this. Those, like, <laughs> the thing is, I think it's just one of those. If you've ever had to live through the immigration system of any kind of Western country. You, you are waiting for the day. You're just praying for the day when they need a visa to your country and you're hoping that your guys are mean to them. <laughs> you're like, what I want is for you to show up to the Ghanaian embassy wanting a visa and for the guy to be the guy to just start asking you questions. Like, are you sure you're going to come back? <laughs> you, you have too many friends in Ghana. Wait, wait, we don't trust that you're going to, You might just stay and never leave. That's like, true. That's poetic irony. <laughs> so, Hannah, as someone who lived in Singapore for a lot of your life, do you wish for global climate destruction? <laughs> Listen, I grew up in the UK and I struggle with that, man. I'm like, waiting like, to get into the airport. It's like, fucking hell. So, so are there like any films, Hannah, that are particularly prone to having scientists like being dickheads? I feel like there's absolutely no point with Jurassic like Park and Jurassic World because like the oh, yeah. dinosaurs are so like not like anything we now know they would have looked like. But yeah, so um, some paleontologists from my department went to go see Jurassic Park and properly framed it as uh, let's go see what's wrong with the film and they were like oh we sat with the film and uh, we laughed because it was so bad. Uh, uh, I was like mate, you still paid the eight quid to get in. You, yeah. I'm like. You wasted your yeah, money. It's, it's a bit of like elitism in a way. And to be honest, I watched Jurassic World. I know you liked this film. I thought it was really bad. I, 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 di- I didn't actually enjoy it that much. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't a bad film because of the science. It was a bad film because it was a bad film. Yeah. But- the, the story was just so <laughs> shit. It was, it so was not good. The, the dinosaurs were the best thing. And that then they, they put, tried to put a story on top of the dinosaurs. But the thing is, we're talking about this subject. It's like, all right, you don't need to have the science to make a film good it doesn't yeah. need to be accurate but sometimes that can add a lot to yeah. the film mm-hmm. make it much more engaging make it make it much more um of a more complete film it, make, it makes it like they put more thought into it and yeah. makes it more a finished more polished product i think yeah. and that can be more you know it brings you in more it makes it more mm-hmm. believable doesn't it there's, there's this concept like called suspension of disbelief like mm. when it comes to any fiction the mm. idea that in order to truly enjoy a fictional book a movie anything like you need to be able to you know immerse yourself in that world and not have anything that sort of makes you think this isn't quite right mm. you know like you need to suspend your disbelief and I think when the science fears too off track especially in a movie like interstellar where they've already set it up to be you know scientific that you sort of suddenly start there going oh i just don't believe this anymore so yeah, yeah. How can it I loses watch? something doesn't yeah. it yeah yeah i do think like i can kind of see what gets people to that point in the sense mm. of the so if you if we were to go see a movie and the characters were not at all believable they didn't act like act like regular people mm. we would go this doesn't work because regular people don't do this. Mm-hmm. If we, if there's a movie where the world does not behave like a world yeah. that we're used to, I can see it. There are times, it depends on the film. So for mm-hmm. certain films, it gets to the point where like, okay, this world that you're trying to, you want me to care about, does not look or act like any world that mm-hmm. I actually recognize. Now, the thing that makes a difference for me is, is are you going to follow through on this? 
So, for instance, there's a reason I am not going to critique the physics of the Fast and the Furious films in any kind of serious way. <laughs> what, are you, are you saying that Tokyo Drift doesn't adhere to the laws of physics? <laughs> I, yes, I believe that's exactly. I'm saying that Vin Diesel should not be able to drive a car off a ramp into a helicopter. <laughs> and Does that actually happen? Does that actually happen? Oh, so you've seen all the Sharknado films, but you but haven't, you seen, haven't Fast, seen Fast and Furious. I haven't seen Fast and Furious. I don't drive also, so I think that... Oh, but you fight sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I regularly fight sharks several times a day, in fact. <laughs> I haven't seen a single Fast and Furious movie. You are missing out. I... I, I Okay, so they There's are nothing that appeals to me. About them. I, I will grant you they are. It has been pointed out to me that they are problematic on gender. So I can grant you that that is a solid reason to not give your money to those films. However, <laughs> I like I how want you, one yeah. caveat. However, to this. Yeah, however, they also have Vin Diesel and The Rock fighting after they've both been basically covered in baby oil. <laughs> I just feel the need to put this out there. <laughs> But you, you had a good point. You make you talking about um, you know how in certain films you it makes sense to suspend your disbelief. You don't certain universes. You don't you won't critique, critique that universe. We're talking about Dragon Ball Z, right? Yeah. You wouldn't critique the physics of Dragon Ball. Yes. Uh, the fact that Goku can fly and all this stuff. Mm. But certain films that happen in the real world that you expect to follow the laws of physics then if it does get you know like talking about Interstellar for example that was a good example it's that slight elitism that's what I was saying when you're ruining it for someone else so Mm. I actually like I can sort of see your the guys in your lab or sorry people in your lab going to see like Jurassic World just to take the piss out of it because that's they probably enjoyed that as a group Mm. I think it's trying to say this other group of people should not enjoy it because of XYZ yes I think that's when it it's the US stupid because you did not get mm. this at that point you're just being an ass like no, yeah. no, no don't do that mm. but at the same time I remember in my undergrad a bunch of guys for a class project sat around and calculated uh, so has everyone else has everyone here seen Star, the original Star Wars films I'm missing some of them I've like watched a few out of order okay uh, <laughs> yes I have seen it Okay, so Return of the Jedi, third of the original Star Wars films, you have the Death Star, giant space station floating in space. It explodes fairly close to a planet, and so they tried to calculate how much damage would this do to the planet. And they sat down and they worked it out, and it was entertaining because literally everyone on the planet should have died when the Death Star exploded. But at the same time, it wasn't like that meant we don't enjoy this film anymore. It was just a, here's a, here's a fun thought experiment. Here's a here's the here are the ways in which the actual world would have looked if we weren't in your universe with special weird physics. You've got to suspend your disbelief when there are tiny bears which can match an army yes. of specially trained warriors. If you can be taken down mm-hmm. by tiny bear people with spears, um, I think at this point, like we are in a completely different world. All right, so suspension of disbelief, but can can I devil's advocate for those people? No, slightly? okay. <laughs> so and this this is, I think, a tiny issue. I don't think it's a big enough issue to warrant it. But there is the problem of people start to think that stuff is real. Yeah, and 
that's a problem in terms of you have people sitting around thinking, oh yes, if there is a disease, you know, we will come up with a cure and you know, and in between like the next thirty minute break mm-hmm. of this TV show. Yeah. But little is the actual science in a way does does it or is mm-hmm. that what you're trying to say? I mean, uh, there there is that thing of the CSI effect. Yes. yes. Yeah. So the CSI effect is that because in um, well, there's there's two CSI effects. One is that a billion people wanted to study forensics afterwards, including me. Uh, But the other CSI effect is that we now have a general population that thinks that, you know, you just find some DNA and you can figure out who the killer was. Or, you know, you find one fingerprint and it's, you know, conclusive, you know, evidence that someone definitely, like, you know, was the thief. Um, whereas actually forensic science is way more complicated than that. And there's, you know, there's error margins and, you know, people have DNA in common, even, you know, like they might have markers in common, even if they're unrelated. Um, and so, yeah, you know, so science in that context is not an absolute. One last thing, uh, just to finish off, I'm going to the 10 most scientifically accurate films. Have you guys heard about this? No. So let me, let me tell you a few. So the first, the most scientifically accurate film is apparently a space odyssey 1969 does it surprise anyone no i mean i can i can see that yeah mm-hmm. the andromeda stain is number two alien 1979 is number three wait wait, wait. Just, just hold on for a second <laughs> <laughs> wait, alien is the most scientifically accurate film apparently it, the, 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 film, the film about face hugging aliens <laughs> with acidic flesh like we, we are talking about which is a great movie is it by just the because way. it's gone so hey, far I'm, away I'm, from all the science we know that we I'm have just a messenger here I'm just a messenger next is Blade Runner 1982 the most scientifically accurate uh, Terminator okay. after that oh fuck off <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park next the oh, original wait wait uh, 1993 wait so this list is saying how shit it is your list is saying how good it is how good it is so, I have questions I think, for I think whoever finish. wrote that list because that list is uh, but yeah that's the list so mm-hmm. clearly there's 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 disagreement even amongst the community scientific community I guess about what about what? look <laughs> at, at the end of the day these lists these articles are written by people who want to get paid to make content because like it's, it's, it's difficult yeah <laughs> <laughs> So we've come to the end of the podcast. Uh, we have learned that correlation and causation are not the same thing, that tonsils are the worst, and we've learned that scientists are the worst when they try to break down films, um, even though there's a lot of devil's advocates here. Uh, we've been joined by Quasi. This has been Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? See you next episode. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.